The Lupa and Roy Show is a Say What Media production. That was pretty good. What up? This is Lupe Fiasco, a rapper. Oh, wait. This is where I'm supposed to jump in. All right, let's do it again. <laughs> what up? This is Lupe Fiasco, a rapper. Hey, yo, what up? This is Royce the 5'9", also a rapper. And this is Tom Frank. I'm just a regular dude. And you're listening to The Lupe and Royce Show. The Lupe and Roy Show is a production of Say What Media. Have you thought about hosting your own podcast but don't know where to start? Working with Say What Media is like having your own personal producer, editor, audio engineer, and distributor all in one place. From equipment recommendations to engineering and distribution, Say What Media handles the boring details so you can focus on saying interesting stuff. Get started at saywhat.media. Royce, what's up? It's Christmas week. Mm-hmm. I'm in the spirit. You're in the spirit. I don't. I, I think this is a good time for us to reflect back on our first fourteen episodes. It's funny you say that because there's still a lot of people calling me saying, "Yo, I didn't know you had a podcast. I, I didn't know you had a podcast." So this would be the perfect time for us to kind of reflect and just look back at some of you want to mess with some of our favorite moments, maybe. Oh yeah, I've had many moments. I've had. Many. I'm afraid to bring up the door moment because I, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want our brother to go to to a Detroit jail. You know, you know what we should do first. Let's reflect back on our favorite Lupe fiasco moments during the <laughs> during the Lupe and Roy show. So there's a great massage parlor out here in uh, California. It's not men working there, though, right? Oh, there's definitely men working there. Hence why the piece. I don't. And listen, I don't. I don't have anything against the hands that toucheth my body. Okay. Okay. They could be man hands, gorilla hands. You know, as long as they're doing the job, I'm in pain. I need you to help me therapy away. Um, so anyway. Thank you for your candor. So anyway, it's a great massage parlor out here. It's called Shanghai Massage Parlor. It's like above a Yoshinoya. It's like in the super random neighborhood in Koreatown. And uh, so I go there all the time. And they the great thing about them is they give you like a really, it's, a, it's titled a foot massage, but they basically wind up massaging your whole body for like an hour. Right, it's like the best value, but you're supposed to tip. I didn't know that. It was like, you know, it's only twenty bucks, but you're supposed to tip. But I'm like, ah, you should have said that. Charge more next time. But anyway, this time I went in there to get like my back done because someone's messing up my back. And normally I get like a, a woman, but this time it was a guy. And I really have a I have an issue like laying face down. Like the massage table face pillow doesn't that. work for me. Like it chokes the shit out of me, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I find myself struggling like when I'm laying face down. So anyway, the guy has me on the table, face down, head is in the circle pillow whole thing, right? And he's standing in front of me, massaging, you know, my back, right? Mm-hmm. He's not like on the side, like he's in front on the back, right? And because of his stature, his penis is coming into contact with the top of my skull every time. What is he naked? Why is he doing this or what? Why would he be naked? I don't, I'm confused. No, no, he's not Nate Willis. What type of massages <laughs> are you getting, Tom? Like, what are you well, used to? I'm letting you know right now. We, we, <laughs> we went from zero to 500 already. This is all bad already. I'm just letting but, you know now. But, it's not all bad, but it's it's so, as he's massaging, you know, my back, you know, they, they I'm under the sheet, you know, they're doing the full mm-hmm. thing. But his dick is just ramming into the top of my head this whole like time. I'm just sitting here like, this is fucking ridiculous. This was a, this was like, you, you came to a point in life right here. This is like a crossroad. This is a crossroads. This grown man, me, you know. And apparently, apparently grown man, him as well. How'd you like, for lack of a better term, how'd you handle that? Pardon my pun. (laughs) 
I mean, off top, I just had to just kind of, what's I going to do, man? My back hurt. I like, guess this what it takes to get my back together. I try you and you can't like really move. So I'm trying to like, I just had to take it, man. I had to take it for that, for that session, like that piece where they, where they have to stand in front of you and hit your back. This better be fucking scoliosis we talking about, bro. It, my back was, I do have some back problems from time to time. And, but it was like, I got, I got some back problems from sleeping on the couch. None of which are worth a fucking cock in my face while I'm. It wasn't in my face. First of all, it wasn't my face. Okay. It was, it was, the, it was the top of my head. You in the forehead. Not my forehead. Cause you face down. Like that's, that's why I tried to paint the image for you. So you knew, so you understood it. And it was because he was kind of short. Like if he was taller, then, you know, it would have been like, you know, you should, go, you should, the go, table you should go see somebody. You should talk to somebody about this. Like a therapist. This could be trauma. You come, in, you come like in contact with Boo Boo all day. I don't need that put into perspective for me, man. Do you keep your toothbrushes in the bathroom? Oh, uh, we yeah. Yes. Oh, shit. Uh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> in the bathroom. Do you not keep yours in the bathroom? Where Absolutely do you keep yours? Not. In the kitchen cabinet. Really? Yeah. You have fecal material in a toothbrush. I will throw my toothbrush out right fucking now. You should treat anything that goes into your mouth, put that shit in the kitchen. Man, I'll put that, I'll zip that shit up and put it in my <laughs> suitcase. <laughs> That's real shit. Real shit. So you both have shitty mouth right now. Damn. Now, how, how weird is that, Tom? Shit mouth. It's weird. <laughs> I'm going to have my... Wait, so I got to bring all the kids... I got to bring everybody's toothbrush into the kitchen? That's what I would do. I'm telling you, as a man who brushes his mouth with shit brushes every morning, <laughs> what you should do, what I do, is I keep my toothbrush, toothpaste, anything that goes into my mouth, I keep out of the bathroom, wherever you want to put that. And what I'll do is I'll I'll prepare, like I'll put toothbrush, I'll like rinse the toothbrush off in the kitchen sink, put toothbrush, put toothpaste on it right there. And then I'll only go into the bathroom to brush my teeth to kind of spit, you know, spit it out into the sink. Right. And then I'll kind of either wash, like rinse my toothbrush off right there or, you know, take it back and rinse it off in the kitchen. Normally I do all the rinsing and stuff in the bathroom, but then I'll wrap it up and put it back in the kitchen cabinet. All right. I'm putting a pole up. Because I need to know if anybody else in America does this. Yeah, my nigga. Like, what kind of violent shits are you taking, first of all? I need to know that. <laughs> you mean <laughs> like spraying poop everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> nah, how about this? How, how, okay, when you think about taking a shit, mm -hmm. what is taking a shit? Like, what all is a part of, like, you know, what do you consider, like, shit? Just the physical shit itself? You gotta be, right? you gotta elaborate on that for me, Lou. Do you consider the smell to be shit? Yeah. Okay. So that smell is actually physical particles. That's not like a gas or some shit like that. But it's, it is like gas, but the gas are like, it is that's gas. just like physical particles, bro. Gas is made up of physical particles. It's dookie gas and it's dookie particles. How does it get into the air? It aerates. That's why you can smell it in your nose. Unless you're like, unless you're shitting on like a continuous flushing toilet or you're, con you're constantly courtesy flushing or something like that. Like when poop comes out, if you smell that shit, that shit is at your head level and out into the space and like starting to land on shit. And the, the thing is, it's accumulation. So just think how many shits you take. You might take once shit once a day or twice a day or, you know, five times a day of your time. And just think of all that accumulation of shit that's in the air. I hate doo doo. I hate doo-doo. I got a doo-doo phobia. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I hate doo-doo, bro. Halloween is on Saturday. It is Halloween. You guys were kids at one point. Mm-hmm. Give me the best costumes you ever dressed up as. My dad made a 
bomb vest. A bomb vest? Yep. Take some wood blocks, some wood like tubes. Yeah. Cut them to the size of dynamite. Wrap them, I think, in like red paper or like spray painting them red. Took a bunch of drilled holes in the top of those and ran wires in between them. Put a clock in the middle of it and then like attached it to this vest. And then you're supposed to wear that under like a, underneath a trench coat. And it didn't hit me until a few days out that this is a bad idea. It was a terrible idea. Y'all should have went to the airport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, it was the best fucking idea ever, though. You know, my father was in the military, and we had an army surplus store, so he would make, like, weapons and, like, mock weapons to, like, for the store and shit. Or, like, he would make, like, bazookas and shit, you know? And, uh, yeah, man, he made a bomb vest. And that shit looked at real... It was a clock on it. The shit had like the tube. The shit looked it real. And I remember he had it on like it was this uh this rack, like a little clothes thing that you hang like kimonos or something on, whatever. And he hung it on there. And it was just kind of like a prop in the living room. And the shit was ridiculous. And I was like, I can't wear that to school. There's no way you can wear it. Especially <laughs> nowadays. You'd never be able to wear that to school. <laughs> this is like in the 90s. It's like 90s something. We got to give a shout out to LL Cool J. I want to bring this up because I thought this was pretty cool. He gave you. He gave Royce a, he gave, he gave Royce a shout out. He said Royce was one of his top. Li- oh, wait. No, it wasn't Royce. It was me. Go ahead, Lou. Get your flowers. Hey, that was Go pretty ahead. cool. Tell him what happened, Tom, because this is important shit. No, it was great. It was his Instagram live. He was answering questions. He said who was they were asking about who are some of the best lyricists right now. And the first guy out of his mouth was Lupe Fiasco. Well, that's the first guy out of everybody's mouth. But I don't know which one was greater, LL Cool J saying Lou or Lou's reaction to LL Cool J. I feel like every great artist should always have somebody that came before them that can make them feel like a kid again. You know what I mean? I feel like that adds to your greatness when that can happen. You know? I was proud of my boy for that, man, my boy Lou. But on the flip side of that, you don't have gloves, bro. <laughs> you don't have gloves, bro. <laughs> Royce always trying to insert himself. I'm not trying to insert myself into the narrative, but you don't have gloves, bruh. Royce, tell them what you did after the LL Cool J things happened when me and you interfaced. What did you what did you do? <laughs> I had to hit I had to hit Lou up with the video of my gloves. You don't have gloves, bruh. You don't have gloves. What are these gloves for the people? So they know so they know how petty you are. I got a. Uh, Mama said, knock you out gloves in a frame with the old picture of LL Cool J with the Kang on in a troop sweatsuit. And the gloves are signed by LL Cool J, and I got them in a big frame on my wall up here at the studio. And Lupe does not. I got LL. You just got his clothes. You You got a point there. You got a point there. Not, man. You know, I was super excited, man. I think, like you said, Royce, I think people may sometimes think that we come across as being like, I don't know, like, I don't say hard, but like, uh, like we're not sensitive, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And like that we actually are like, we look at our heroes or the people who came before us or even people who come after us in a certain light, like we still fans. Like we supposed to be better. You know what I mean? Like they, they think that we all want to be better than our teachers. Or like we're, or we're just so stoic. 
You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have emotions or something like that. And it's like, no, nah, man. Hello, Cool J saying and he he also referenced Aesop uh, Rock. Uh, shout out to Aesop Rock. But to get that type of you know shout out, it makes you feel good. It makes you as an old whether you're an old man, a young man, whatever. It made it actually like you said. It made me feel like a kid. I was like, yeah, yeah, because we don't get we don't get those yeah, moments, I, bro. I remember yeah. uh, LL was on a um, was on a live talking to Big Daddy Kane, so I got on there because I just wanted to see them two just just talking to each other. You know what I mean? And I was like a kid again, and I was putting shit in the comments, and one thing led to another. He seen me in the comments. Next thing you know, he's inviting me on there. Man, I jumped off the couch and threw a hat on so quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> now you I'm got sitting here, Yeah, I'm sitting here talking to LL Cool J, and he telling me wow. we exchanging pleasantries. Man, I was on fucking cloud nine. I thanked him for the gloves because I got a chance to thank him for the gloves, but I didn't get a chance to, like, talk to him, talk to him. That was crazy. So I can only imagine how you felt. Him mentioning you. Maybe those same kind of assumptions that people have about us. We have those same assumptions of people like LL, you know, or the OGs. Like when I first met Jay-Z, like knocked on the door, he opened the door, mm-hmm. right? Like you expect like a maid or like a servant mm-hmm. or like uh, uh, one of the entourage to open the door and pat you down. Like, who, who you looking for? You look for the boss. Mm-hmm. Hold on. We got to sit right here in this room. It was Jay-Z. <laughs> like, yo, what up? Like, oh, shit. One billion cool. YouTube views. Who, who are you calling right now? Are you going to call Eminem and congratulate him? Whoever he's calling is not answering. Maybe. What's your guess, Royce? Well, that has something to do with that meeting you said that he got. Thank you for calling place. the Ryan Montgomery Foundation, NAMI Michigan Helpline. Our office hours are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday. We are assisting another caller, so we're unable to answer your call. If you want some real help, please call. You call. You call me if you really. If you have an emergency, you can call me. Please leave a detailed message, including your name, phone number, and county of residence, so we can return your call as soon as possible. If you've reached us outside of our business hours, we will return your call on the next business day. If this is a mental health emergency, please call nine one one. Thank you. I think you should dial nine one one, Lou, because this is a mental health emergency. Help! I need some help. I need some help right now. I need some help. I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to Royce Five Nine about my mixtape. Please put me through the Royce. I need to tell him how fine my new mixtape is. It's an emergency. It's mentally ill. Hit me up. You can expect those every day for the next twenty days. You didn't prank call my goddamn number. You didn't prank call my hotline number. <laughs> the number right there. Sensitive about that number, man. I don't know if I'm gonna forget you all for this one. Like, who do you think I was calling? I was calling the only phone number in my purview right now. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Royce, I know you're big time with your recent Grammy nomination. But is there something preventing you from achieving other goals? Anything interfering with your happiness? You know what? I'm glad you asked, Lupe Fiasco. As you well know, I'm a big believer in the power of therapy and the importance of mental health. And I don't care what you've achieved in life, whether it's a Grammy or not. There's always value in therapy to help you reach your full potential. Therapy has really helped me to be able to communicate better and get better. Just make improvements as an individual, as a man, Lupe Fiasco. Well said, Royce. And this brings me to our sponsor, BetterHelp. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. BetterHelp will assess your needs 
and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in a safe and private online setting in less than 24 hours. Hmm, that is convenient. Yeah, so you can get support without leaving your house or your throne, as the case may be. No sitting in one of those awkward waiting rooms either. One thing I really like about it, and you know this is an issue near and dear to my heart and my foundation, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available, which makes it more accessible to a lot of people. And the service is available worldwide. So even when we all get our vaccines, you can access better help no matter where you may move or travel to. This also means you can access a broad range of expertise, which may not be locally available in many areas. For example, they have professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping and trauma. Another cool feature, in addition to scheduling weekly video or phone sessions, is you can send a message to your counselor at any time, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Anything you share is confidential. And let's say you don't click with that first therapist. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. So in a nutshell, it's convenient, professional, and affordable. They've got some great testimonials posted daily on their site. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So, dear listeners, I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener of the Lupe and Roy Show, you'll get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Lupe and Royce. Do what Lupe said and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Lupe and Royce. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to five nine, and Tom Frank. Lupe's up or down, right? He's mm-hmm. always either excited, irritated. Mm-hmm. There's no slowing him down. But how about you, Royce? What are some of your favorite moments? Let's look at them. Let's look at them and see. I got a few. I got a few. There's a few to come to mind. Let's check a couple of them up. I didn't really see Black, Black Panther all the way through. You didn't watch the whole movie. You just watched the beginning? I don't need to. What do you mean you don't need to? It's fucking great. What I need to watch it for? It's already great. I didn't need to. It's already great. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? The movie itself, the concept itself, and how well that it did was just a message to black people how well something can perform as long as we support it in solidarity. So I didn't need to watch it. It's already great. Okay. I exit out of a lot of movies when I'm watching them. Like, very rarely can I watch a movie all the way through. But I was watching it. It was great. I thought it was great before I started to watch it. And it wasn't a movie that I felt like I needed to watch all the way through. It's all it's already great. It's already it's already a legacy act, bro. At what point in the film did you did you exit out, as you said? I never have a particular exit point. One day I might sit down, I might watch it all the way up until, you know, uh I see like a bunch of beautiful black women. Then I might get on the phone. Then I might come back another day. Then I may just be flicking through the channels and I catch it from when they're like everybody's all muscular and cut up and I'm watching, Oh, I'm watching it. And then I, maybe I may go do something else. Then I might see it from another place. Point I'm making is it was already great before all of this. So before I had seen anything, I was already tweeting about how great it was. I don't understand why you don't understand what I'm saying. You have melanin, <laughs> sir. So how many times have you have seen black Panther? More than I care to remember. I've seen it tons of times. I just never seen it all the way through. I just never seen it all the way through. <laughs> So you don't know what happened at the end of Black Panther, basically. Try me, Lupe Fiasco. Go ahead, try me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What happened at the end of Black Panther? Spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. 
Like which part? You don't know. Do what you, you talk? What which part you talking about? You got to be more specific. I'm talking about the end of the movie. A lot of things happen. Are you talking about like what do you mean storyboard wise or what? What are you talking give, about? Okay, give me some. Yes, yes. Give me some of the multiple strands of the end of Black Panther. The multiple potential, not even potential. What really happened? You don't even. Yes, I'm listening. T'Challa. T'Challa. <laughs> I had a barber. His name was Lonzo. I went to high school with him. Excellent barber. Excellent barber. Real fit guy. Used to be on the football team, so he didn't wear a shirt a lot. And like once he started cutting my hair, I came to the realization that he doesn't wear drawers either. So he used to wear like blue jean shorts. Wait, blue wait, jean wait. shorts. Wait. He used to, and blue jean yeah, cutoffs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he cut. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. He cut. He used to cut in his basement because we we were like in high school still. He cut in, in his basement. We wasn't in the shop yet. He cut in the shop now. So this dude, he was cutting my hair, and like he he never wore a shirt, and he never wore. He had blue jean shorts on, and never wore drawers. And I think it was because he was in shape, so he wanted to show off his obliques and shit. And I didn't realize like his cry for attention to show his his obliques and shit that his cry for attention would come crashing into my desire to get a fucking haircut. What happened was when he would turn the chair around in certain positions, as soon as I turn around, I'm too close in proximity to his meat. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> they accidentally rub up against you. Like, I don't want to feel your meat on my arm. I'm never coming back here again, ever. And I'm possibly about to get some help. Talk to somebody about this. Oh, the Grammy nomination? Yeah, how does it happen? Does somebody show um, up at your door with a yellow jacket and say, you're nominated? What, what goes on? I was just doing a, um, a teleconference with my doctor. I was talking to my doctor, and then I noticed that, like, everybody, a whole bunch of people started DMing me and texting me. Congratulations. And I ain't, you know how you can see, like, a preview of a message? Mm-hmm. When somebody sends you a message, I'm like, why does people keep, tell, people keep telling me congratulations? So I'm talking to my doctor, and then my phone starts ringing. Like, people start calling. I'm like, what the fuck? So when I finally get off with him, as soon as I hang up with him from the teleconference, the very first person that calls my phone before I could start thinking to call anybody back was Joyner Lucas. So I answered the phone. I'm like, what up, dog? Yo, congratulations, nigga. I'm like, congratulations <laughs> for what? And he's like, yo, you, yo, you're on the Grammy nomination, man. So I immediately think to myself, like, maybe they talking about Marshall album or something. Because I didn't know anything about the Grammys announcing their nominations that day. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I also didn't know that E1, which is the company that I partnered up with to release the album, independent company, I didn't know that they submitted it. I didn't know that my album got submitted for the Grammys. So mm-hmm. I was like, he was like, that's your, this your first, this your first nomination for just your shit, right? And I was like, I was confused. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? You know what I'm saying? And, and he just was like, I remember him saying like, yo, be happy, be happy, man, or something, something along the lines of be happy. And I was just like, the fuck is this Bobby McFerrin? First of all. Second of all, when the fuck am I not happy? I'm happy all the time. So I thought to myself, he must have heard last week's episode when I was being a hater. So it came <laughs> yeah. back to bite me. You know what I'm saying? So I had to hear him tell me to be happy, right? And then I hung up with him and I went and looked at my DM. And the first DM I see is from Ninth Wonder telling me congratulations. And then I just started seeing a bunch of screenshots of all the nominees. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I was just taking it back. So then I called Kino. And once I called Kino, Kino tried to arrange this little moment where it was like he has a whole bunch of people on the phone at the same time. But I already knew. He tried. 
Fuck him. But see, somebody trying to do something good for you. Nobody likes their, their manager, bro. You go right back into to little grumpy old man from Detroit. I'm not grumpy. I'm in a great, I'm in a fantastic mood right now. I just don't like you. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> you got to stand up for yourself, Tom. Okay? This is what I think you should do, and this is how I feel you should handle it. You should go to your neighbor's house. Okay. Wait till the dogs are asleep. Dogs are indoors. Knock on the door. That might wake the dogs up. So knock soft. And when a neighbor comes to the door, you say, excuse me, can I have a word with you? You just stay right there on the other side of the door and I'll stay right here. Listen, man, something's got to give with these dogs. They're coming. They're shitting up the place. They're shitting all on my lawn. Is there any way that we can work something out to where your dogs shit only on your lawn? And if they shit on my lawn again, I fucking slaughter all of them with my... (laughs) That's all you got to do, bro, and we'll see what happens from there, man. I think it, I think that's very, uh, very yeah. <laughs> Another session of therapy with Royce the 5'9". If you want more <laughs> advice like that, call 1-833-ROYCE-59. That's 1-833-ROYCE-59. Any unrealistic advice like that, just come to me, and I'll hook you up. Have you ever seen Black Dynamite? That's pretty much my dad. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I watched my dad beat the shit. Out of one of my uncles. Your dad can box, right? Well, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of comes along with the Montgomery package. But mm-hmm. um, my uncle was a pro fighter. My father was just a professional badass. No, I got you. Got he you. raised he all looked- his brothers. He, he was the oldest. What can I say, man? What can I say, man? I owe it all to him, you know? Like, I wouldn't even have all of this swag if it wasn't for all of that ass I saw him whoop. One time, I was spending the night at my cousin's house, right? I was spending the night at my cousin's house. I'm minding my own business, Tom. And then my cousin's mm. stepfather. And that I think is key that we that we zero in on that verbiage. Stepfather. That means we don't even know if you're gonna even be my uncle later on. It just depends on if my auntie stays with you or not. You know what I mean? She didn't end up staying with him. But at that moment, he's kind of my uncle. So he's trying to treat me like I was his real nephew. So he was like, um, he was like, uh, yeah, put put that Kool-Aid down. You know, my auntie poured me a nice, cold, sugary glass of Kool-Aid, and I'm eight years old, right? Oh, and we got, yeah, we got, we got, um, Frosty. I got my food on the table, and I planned on eating the damn food. I was going to get to the food. So he was like, put that, put that cup down and finish it. I think he said, finish your vegetables first or something. I was like, what? You heard what I said, put that, put that cup down and finish your vegetables. So I had to look around. Who the hell he think he's talking to? First of all, I'm not going to put this cup down. And not only am I not going to put this cup down, I ain't eating my vegetables now. Mm-hmm. You just fucking offended me in here. We was at their house, but he was way out of line. So my thing was at eight years old, you ain't my daddy, man. You can't tell me, you know, and my, my big brother was like, just put the, put the cup down. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, this man had told me to put my cup down eat my vegetables. Nah, I'm not. I'm going to drink my Kool-Aid. You ever had that? You ever had that kind of moment of contention with a family member, Tom? Don't worry about it. So you know what I did? I got on the phone and I called my dad because he he threatened me. He threatened me and he Mm -hmm. made me get up from the table and he told me that he was going to whoop me. Me, Ryan Montgomery. So I had to call my dad Dad, this nigga over here tripping. <laughs> this nigga over here tripping. Talk about he gonna whoop me, man. Come on over here. Fuck this nigga up. 
No, I was like, I was like, Dad, I was crying. I was like, Dad, Uncle John said he was gonna whoop me, and and then he got him on the phone, and I remember him saying, "No, you know, he's just he's just a baby. He's just a baby." Because that's what my dad would say about us until we was about thirteen. They they just babies. You know, you didn't have to talk to him like that. You could have just called me or whatever it was that he said. John got smart with him. So when my dad came over to get us, which normally he doesn't do, my mom normally comes over to get us. But he said, nah, I'll go. Came. And I think he just wanted to see if it still was the same amount of smoke today that it was last night. And I remember him walking up on John. Now, John is like this big dude. My father is a small, really tight, compact, short punch throwing, heavy handed bad man. Right. So big John stood. He's supposed to be like a he's supposed to be like a black belt in karate or something like that. All I know is my auntie just starts screaming and crying. Everybody was just, oh, my God, Greg. No, he's going to hurt Greg. He's going to hurt Greg. And I'm me and my brothers are sitting there like he's going to do what? Nobody can hurt Greg. This motherfucker jumped off the porch. You know, we had those porches, the brick, the brick porches. He jumped off the porch and threw a drop kick from off the porch. Right. Like, yeah, he made the he made the sound and everything. And my father just stepped to the side and let him land. And as soon as he landed, he hit him with a combination of punches from so many angles. Tom, Tom, you know anything about punching from angles? <laughs> please, please educate. Um, it was like it was beautiful, man. It was like it was like he landed and the first one came from down under. It was almost like he wanted to get in touch with his southern lineage. So it was like, boop, that was the first one, right? Now, normally when you're throwing combinations, you don't throw all of them in full velocity. You just end it, bop, with a hard shot. Nope, he threw all hard shots, like a true season Montgomery. So it was like, boop, 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 boop. Man, I swear to God, he's punching this man until like, you ever played Mike Tyson's punch out? It was like, oh, boop, yeah. boop. It was like that. And then he fell back and he was unconscious. That was the first time I seen a man unconscious from a fist fight. I think that was the first time. I think that was the first time. And now I remember my dad standing over him like, get up. Get up, motherfucker. Get up. Because, of course, once 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 you rile him up, it's hard to calm him down. I could see the trauma. I could see where it comes from. That wasn't trauma. That it was feels great, like trauma. that was a fucking great memory, man. The way about? you lit up and was able—I've never heard you tell a story with that. I mean, he was super passionate, passionate about that, and I could see where the problems began. My father was a little bit—he was a little abusive, you know what I mean. But he defended me, and he also defended his respect. The nerve. Come on, man. You just threw a fucking drop kick in a street fight. Yeah, you did throw a drop kick off the porch. Like, I don't know if I would have opened up with that as my first attack. What black belt is he? Because I was like, Dad, he got a black belt. You know, he said, that motherfucker, that ain't going to be good for nothing but to hold his fucking pants up. That's what my dad said. Man, that was a little arrogant, but I get it. Along with that kind of greatness comes a little bit of arrogance. Now, clearly, I'm the guy nobody knows who he is. I'm the regular dude. You used to be. I used to be. You used to be the regular dude. I, I got a. I did get quite a few comments in our last show. People got to know me a little bit more and some of the weird stuff that I've done. Mm-hmm. So I got some of my own personal moments that that I've enjoyed too. 
let's look at some of our favorite moments from Tom, the regular dude. You know, I did a lot of work at one point in the country of Georgia, which used to be part of the Soviet Union. Yes. I, 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 I played a role in the overthrow of the government in the country of Georgia. Wait, why are you? Listen, man, I don't want nothing to do with this. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with this. My man said he played that. a role in the overthrow. How, look how he just put us in the line of fire of the opposition. There's no right? line of fire. When they regain power. Yeah, that's true. They're going to come after him and his family. Hey, I got a question for you. you in on this. Who are I got you? a question related to what this. What if your name is Tom, right? It, or is it? I got a question related to this. When I was in, in, in Georgia, I worked with a very famous albino rapper in that region. Wait, fuck this, Tom. Hold on. That's interesting, and I want to get to that. But what do you mean you help overthrow the government of Georgia? Like, you just can't slide that in there and not get me and Royce's interest and curiosity. Well, I'll, I'll tell you about it then. So I worked with a guy by the name of Bedzina Avenishvili. Who, who ran for prime minister. And it was the craziest race you ever saw. It was the first democratic election in the country of, of Georgia. It was two guys who used to be friends who then became enemies. They both lived in Tbilisi. They sat on two ends of this, of this city, one in a castle, the other one in a all metal and glass um, 50,000 foot square building with a shark tank underneath the conference room. I kid you not. I sat in the conference room and there were sharks underneath me. And we went there and shot a documentary about him to make sure that the U.S. would be watching this election so that the guy he ran against wouldn't do any funny stuff to not let the people vote. And his son. I'm scoring, I'm scoring this episode. And his son. We need pom pom pom. We do. And his son <laughs> was an incredibly famous entertainer in that part of the world. And he would go give speeches. And I kid you not, hundreds of thousands of people would show up not to hear his dad, but to hear him. He would, his dad would speak and then he would give a concert right after. And he was an albino rapper by the name of Barra. Have you heard of this guy? Of course not. What do you mean? Of course not. What are you talking about? Have I heard of the albino rapper who was famous only in Georgia and not Atlanta, Georgia, Tbilisi, Atlanta, Georgia? Georgia. I don't no, speak he's Georgia. very big in that whole that whole part of the world. Well, look, I don't want to get killed by him and You're his not team get of killers. So shout out to the albino rapper Barra or Para. Shout out, shout out to Crime Don. That's my guy. I'm gonna tell my, you, my what, albino I'm rapper, you. kick your albino rapper's ass. I'll tell you one last story about this. Wait, what was the brother's name? What's the albino rapper's name? Barra, B-E-R-A. Barra. Okay, shout to Barra. Shout to Barra, I don't want any smoke. Okay, continue. So speaking of, the, so I, I was doing the, uh, the film work and the photography, and I'm a, I'm a dumb American. I thought to myself, hey, there's hundreds of thousands of people out here. I'm going to go ahead and go out in the crowd and take photos, right? So I go outside the barrier, the security barrier, and not five minutes into it, I get knocked down. And I'm thinking, oh, this was a really bad idea to be out here by myself. And somebody grabs the back of me, yanks me up off the ground, turns me around, looks at me. It was a Navy SEAL I had met earlier in the day. And I was wearing a Navy hat because I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, he said, he's, he looked at me and goes, do whatever you want. I got your back. 
And so from that point on, when you're in a foreign country like that, in an odd situation, Americans immediately cling together. That's what I learned in that situation. But it's an interesting part of the world. Great food, a, great wine. The, the, great that, was a fasc, that was a fascinating tale. What I would, what I would suggest you stop saying, though, <laughs> is over through the government. <laughs> I wouldn't say that no more. I would just say I helped in the election process. <laughs> Don't say I overthrew the government and then my friend, who just happened to be a Navy SEAL, came and backed me up. I wouldn't say that shit no more. That's going to get me and Royce picked him up from behind and turned him around. And told him, do whatever you want to do. That shit was like some G.I. Joe shit right there. That is some G.I. Joe. So, Barra, we're going to get Barra on the show. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. I don't want none of your past creeping up into this double agent, secret agent man. This story is so layered. It kind of makes me want to rethink the future of this show. <laughs> Secret <laughs> agent man. Who are we on here talking to Secret right now? agent man. That's it. That's all I got. They're giving Tom, him let me see your fingers. Number. Let me see if you still got fingers. You got fingerprints? Hmm? Did you burn off the tip of no, your fingers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had your fingernails pulled out and still didn't, still didn't fold? Not yet. Did they threaten to feed you? Have you, you ever to held insurance? anyone captive? What's that? Have you ever held anyone captive? No. Okay. Have you ever I've only been captive anybody? once. You've been held captive. Mm -hmm. Wait, where? Let's hear this one. That was in Nigeria. What the fuck was you doing in Nigeria, Tom? I was shooting another documentary. I shoot. I've shot a lot of documentaries. Over through mm -hmm. that company. You sure you won? Are you that guy who likes playing with a? with amazingly strong animals. Like, come here, boy. Come here, boy. I won't hurt you. No, I don't want anything to do with strong animals. Come here, big old ape. I won't hurt you. Let's play patty cake. Lupe is was the your, only one was your camera, dogs. Was your camera strapped to the top of a rifle that you was always aiming at, say, some president's head or something like that? No, no, never. Okay. I was telling a good story. Yeah, all right, Tom. I was only held yeah. at uh, for, it was less than six hours. I mean, less than six hours. What'd you do? In a military prison. Yeah, what the fuck did you do? We were had our cameras pointed the wrong way. It was more of a shakedown. They were they were just they wanted money to let us out. It's the military prison. Tell me some of the differences between a military prison and a regular prison. Um, Is it worse? I've never been in a regular prison. So I don't know if I can. Well, tell me about the military prison and I'll let you. I'll, uh, I'll, the one I'll thing that worried me is Royce. there was only one cot in there. And I didn't know if I wanted to be in that cot or as far away from that cot as humanly possible. Uh, Why? It was all cement. Because boot. Oh. Mm. Still a cement cot? No, no. The Wait, was, was the cot cement. made out of cement? No, the oh, cot okay. was metal. I do remember that with a mattress on it. Uh, and I got to talk to the okay. general. And it just so happened that the general was a giant Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And I grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so I could rattle off all sorts of facts. So I had a good conversation with the general of the Nigerian army many, many years ago. Yeah, many, many years ago, my ass. Tom works for... Thank for semantics. He works for like a, some secret organization. Maybe this, po maybe this podcast Tom? is part of it.
No, Who were you in there with? Uh, I was in there with um, the other the other um, producer on the uh, documentary, hmm. and then our and then our escorts. From that point on, we had armed guards as escorts. Hmm. Did you have like diamonds sewed in sewed into your skin just in case? Mm. Oh, okay. No, no funny business. Mm. This this is fantastic. This is a fantastic story, Tom. This is very so much information. I'm gonna send you guys both the documentary. No, no, no. Don't. No, send no they're both very good. Very good. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. I think you'll enjoy them. I worked at a golf course <laughs> for ten years. You made good money. Yeah, I I cut the greens. See, I was a guy on a mower that would cut the greens, and then my my favorite part was I would change the holes. You had a favorite part every every Saturday morning. I would go out there and change the holes. But what do you mean change the holes? Different places on on a green, right? You have a green. Yeah, can't keep the hole in the same spot all the time. What the grass would wear out? Yes, they go out and they change the holes almost every morning. How the fuck do you do that? It's a little like a tool that is a has a handle and then has like a cup that cuts into the grass and you cut into the grass you, you go like this get it down you pull it out and it pulls out probably the top of the grass and maybe three inches and that's what you use to do your COVID test well listen <laughs> right down the throat then you go you, you go to the other hole and you put that dirt back in there it fills it back up you blend the grass back together you put the cup in the new hole and we always would have a plan so that we brought that we we had we had different regions of the green, so you keep it moving, so that you keep the green healthy. Damn, this is not inner city maintenance. That's cool. I never knew that. That's cool as hell. Was it a public course or like a what was it like a private? It was a public course called Toft Trees in State College, Pennsylvania. Mm. State College. Shout out State College. Oh, State College, Pennsylvania, home of the Penn State Nittany Lions. How did you feel about uh, like those golf course, those private courses or clubs that wouldn't let in like women or like black people? Or even there's some, I think there's like some clubs that won't let in like, there's Jewish clubs that won't let in Christians, Christians clubs that won't let in Jews. And it's not just golf, but like tennis, but like golf and stuff like that. Like that's real shit. Ain't that crazy? It is real. And it's, it's, yeah, it's happening today. What are they in there doing? It's like the country clubs. You know, it's country clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Segregation, modern segregation is what it is. Like we don't, we don't fuck with your kind. Officially. I mean, before I jump to a conclusion, I just need to know like the whole story. <laughs> but I do think there's a difference between private clubs that you are a paying member mm. that you could be of any race. If you're paying. There's clubs where you could be a paying member, like paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars and like no niggas, no Jews either. And no girls. Wow. Damn. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of sounds crazy. like Facebook. <laughs> okay, so what I'm afraid of right now is giving you the name of one of these van life videos that I'm deep into, but I don't know if it's the best onboarding initial experience that you all should have. Well, how'd you start? Life, how'd you right? start? Where'd you start? Made... Did you just do a search, or how, I mean, how did this come about? You can do a search, but it's like stealth van is probably a good place to start. Like stealth people who do stealth vans. That's kind of where I started. So they'll have these, these folks who like get like a conversion van or a white like delivery van, or even some people will make like a fake business 
right? Because the fake business vans just feel like they should be parked there. Nobody going to come and fuck with them, right? And the inside of the van is like a little apartment, you know, like a little studio apartment. They'll have like a bed and like some, like a place to cook. They might have like a bucket to shit in and all kinds of craziness. But and some people like super deck them out, right? So you got like stealth vanning like that. Then you got like van life dudes who get like the sprinters, like those sprinter conversion vans, like sprinter vans. And then they'll just build them out crazy. So there's like all kinds of shit in there. Super luxurious, over the top type situation. As soon as you said bucket to shit in, I was out. But there's some people who have, you know, like bathrooms in their van. I, I've seen that, but not a lot, right? Think of like a think of like the bathroom yeah. in a tour bus, right? And remember, like you can never really use that, right? They tell you to put a bag yeah. in there and shit in the yeah. back. I, I assumed it just went right out into the street. No, you got to empty it. The fuck are you talking about, though? In the van, the van just rolling <laughs> with piss coming out the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty booty little van driving down the street. It's fucking gross, huh? So van life. If you were to get a van, where would you live? See, that's the thing. People live in their vans, but they have to like, like you got to like drive. So you got to like go to places. And so there's like all this like BLM land, which is like Bureau of Land Management, right? Not Black Lives Matter land, right? Bureau of, La- Bureau <laughs> of Land <laughs> Management. Imagine land. that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine us having that in America. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just open land, right? There's nothing on it. So there's like no services mm-hmm. mostly. And you basically, but you can go out there for like 14 days total, right? And just camp wherever. They got kind of specialized sites, but basically you can camp out there for it. It's basically camping in your car, right? And some people go way over the top with it. Crazy ass half a million dollar or $250,000 vans. Other folks, they'll, I seen one where a lady, she just put a couch in her fucking van. Just had like a, a couch in there. It was like, this is it. Staple the TV to the wall or something stupid. They mostly have like the solar power. So they'll put like solar panels on the top. Um, one guy has like, you could buy like, uh, mini little fridges and stuff like that. It can also be like a freezer. Some people have like, like a shower thing that you can set up. Um, one of the, one of the, uh, killer shits is like, you can have some people put like an air conditioning, like a house air conditioning in their shit and to keep it cool. But it's just, I'm so fast. As you can see, I'm beaming. I'm fascinated by this thing. And there's this one, especially during COVID time, because it's like I get this is me living vicariously on the road because I actually like road traveling and shit like mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, and it's just super, it's super cool, man. And there's one channel that I kind of watch all the time. Um, and it's called Adventure Van Man. A guy named Brian out of San Diego. He's been on the road for like five years. Right. And he's like what he does. He has like these seasonal jobs all around the country and he'll just drive to like one place you know, on the way to work, it'll take a month to get there, you know, and he's like stopping in all these little places and shit. It's, I mean, it's just super cool. I'm looking, they I'm cook looking in there. right now. Adventure van, yeah, man. I gotta, but he may not be the place to start. Like you might need Don't to start, start a little bit more up, up the chain and then you'll, you'll eventually land and appreciate what, what. Brian I mean, you got how many months ahead of you that you're still not going to go on tour? I think you should do this. I got to get a van. Get a van. Man, I ain't got to like drive that. to Detroit. Pick up Royce. Drive. Ooh, you mean do it with Royce? Yeah, me up. Ooh. He ain't driving. He Royce, ain't picking me up in no van. We going no damn where. Royce, let's do this. Don't come pick me up in no conversion van with a shit bag. Pick me up in our bins. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they got the Sprinter Benz vans. They're the Mercedes vans. Mm. Luxury, baby. I'm listening. Royce, mm-hmm. listen. Just do the research, you know, over the week. In between casts, let me know what you think. I, I think that we should have, we motherfucking 
the Lupe and Royce show should have an official motherfucking Allentown cartel van. All right, well, we're not going to Bablo. Can it float? Can it be one of those vans that turns into a boat? Yeah, can it float like the 18 van? The 18 van can float? The 18 van can do anything. <laughs> talking about, man? I seen the 18 van. It was somebody had one out here. Nope. I paint, you know, one of my first pictures was the 18 van. Not a replica. The, no, a the 18 van. You're talking about the 18 van. The 18. What did you think we were saying? 18. That's what we said. I thought he said the 18 van. I was very confused. Fuck, is that the R. Kelly van? No. <laughs> the 18 van. <laughs> so let's get the A-team van. We slap up on the side of it. The Lupa and Royce show. You drive it to Detroit and here in D.C. And we'll, we'll be here for the election. Look, is that how I wrapped it all up? Hey, so you got your award? What's that award? Wait, oh, that's an award. Yeah, that's why I know. I, I'm, I, what's the award that, that you got back there? I got that for a documentary I, I shot in Africa. Ooh, tell us more. I shot a documentary for a uh, for a uh, the Getty Foundation, which is a uh, foundation that was helping with people um, with AIDS in Nigeria. And so we went there and shot a uh, documentary, award winning documentary, raised about a million dollars for them. Good job, Tom. Was there a ceremony for this? Uh, there was. And you went up to the podium. I did. You do you remember? You remember what your speech was? I was very thankful and uh, appreciative. It was a it was a incredible experience. I was in uh, Nigeria for two weeks and um, saw some things that I thought I would never see. Um, and you know what's you know what the strike most striking thing about it was that I was in a country and interviewing people that were dirt poor, but they all walked around with a smile on their face. Which I think sometimes we got to remember that here. That's humbling. It is humbling. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Oh boy, you're not a regular dude anymore, Tom. I don't know. I'm still I'm still a regular dude. You're starting, to, get, you're starting dude. to become famous out there in the stratosphere. I can only hope to achieve what you have gotten one day. I got to win a Grammy, though, first. Be careful what you ask for, Tom. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. So we should say to all of our fans, all of our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. Spread the, the word. Spread the holiday cheer. To all of you, a very, very Merry Christmas. We'll be back next week with our regular show and a whole slew of interesting guests. Yes, Tom couldn't have said it any more perfect. I echo everything he said. I echo that sentiment exactly. Thank you guys so much. And happy holidays from Santa Claus. At least that's what they call me in the house. That's Royce. This is Tom. You're listening to The Greatest Moments. From the first 14 episodes of the Lou Van Roy Show. Boom! Suck! Christmas time and the rain is too. And I'm about to eat me a whole bag of stew. And then I run to the house and look at my blouse. It's so funky. And I just bought a monkey. Wrap it in the president. Wrap it with a bowl. Then put it on the tree and give it to my hoe. Ho, ho, ho. You thought I was talking about bitches? I was talking about the sounds make at Christmas. What's my name? It's Lou Faber. See Same what other way. what other podcast do you get a Lupe Fiasco freestyle? That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or follow. Leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. It's recorded and mixed by Claude Jennings. Our head writer is Lauren Sloat. I'm Tom Frank, and our theme music is by who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the Five Nine.